0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Walk in Grace series, which goes through Ephesians 2 through 5. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God has used it in your life. Morning, Ephesians chapter 1, or excuse me, 5. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning is where we're going to be. And uh, if you've been with us in our series, uh, you know that the previous weeks we've been studying and receiving help uh, from Paul about what it means to walk or to live a life that is strengthened by God. And uh, last week, if you were here, we learned about the fact that we can count on in life, you can count on the fact that offenses and hurts, they're going to come your way. Uh, Listen, people are going to offend you. You are going to offend others. We are going to have uh, situations in life that we do not understand and uh, hurts in our life caused by other people. And the way that culture says to deal with it uh, is really a a number of ways, but one of them is to get even. Hey, if someone's done you wrong, you do them wrong. If someone's uh, done something mean or harsh in your life, then you figure out a way to retaliate, to get back. Another uh, response that culture has is, you know, if someone does you wrong, then you better, you just gotta get over it. Just get over it. You just need to grow up and get over it. And people might say that about offenses that come your way. And then others may say, you know what? Just bottle it up. The opportunity will come and you will have a—you will have opportunity to go through your smear campaign or, or blast them online or maybe talk bad about them at work. But the fact is, offenses come and culture says we should deal with it one way. But what we discovered last week is that God says to deal with it a different way. Man, offenses are going to come, but God says, I want you to identify and be honest about the hurt and where it could get you. Well, where could it get us? If we allow hurts to stay in our life, man, the Bible goes that it causes that anger, malice, wrath, it causes bitterness within us. So the first key to overcoming hurts God's way is to identify and be honest about that hurt. Then we noticed secondly last week that we should desire to live the unexpected response. What is the unexpected response? Well, it is to meet cruelty and harshness with kindness. It's to meet mistreatment with a sympathetic and a compassionate heart. And then it's to meet wrongdoings with forgiveness. Well, why can we forgive? Because we've been forgiven. And if you were here last week, we, lo- we noticed that Paul said this, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Man, dealing with hurts and offenses God's way is, is very hard, but that's why we can be followers of God. And that's verse number one of chapter five, be followers of of God as your children, keeping a focus on God, keeping a focus on God, it helps us forgive like God. Keeping a focus on God, it helps us not allow those uh, uh, um, bitternesses and angers to take root in our life. And then we talked last week about looking looking for ways to demonstrate our forgiveness, looking for ways to demonstrate our love, just like God offered his life as a sweet smelling savor. You and I can can go out of our way to to show the love and the forgiveness that we have in our life toward others. This morning, we're going to actually begin kind of where we left off last week in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1. I invite you to stand with me just as we read this short verse, and then we'll get into the passage this morning. Ephesians chapter five and verse number one, the word of God says this, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. This is an incredible verse, a great passage, and I believe it's going to help all of us today. And we'll get the idea and the context right after we pray. So let's pray. And ask God to speak to us today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Would you pray and ask God. God would you please speak to my heart. God would you please speak to my heart. And God I I ask you that whatever you speak to me about. God would you help me. Dear Lord, we want to come before you. We want to thank you for this day and thank you so much for your love and your care for us. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. I pray that you would bless as we speak through your word this morning. God, I humble my heart today and I ask you that you'd speak through me and speak to me and help us, Lord, to be challenged, to be equipped and to be helped by your word today. I pray that if there's anyone with us or online, then they do not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. This morning, I just want to ask you, um, have you ever had a time in your life when somebody would follow you around? And they would like mimic you. You ever had a time in your life when they would do that? Some of you have. If you have siblings that would do something like that, but often they wouldn't even just like they wouldn't just mimic you in action. They would say what you're saying. They would say what you're saying. Thank you. But what you would do is get really frustrated with them because you can't stand having an echo. And so you'd begin to say things like, I'm not very cool. (laughs) Thank you. Come here. Uh, This is Micah. He did that. Thank you, Micah. You can be seated. Um, I know we've all been there. You've all had, man, we all have siblings. We've all been there when people in our lives maybe do that whole mimicking thing. So the other day, the other day we were at the house and I was outside working And the kids all got home, and of course, Dennis has his license now, and so he's, you know, he's the family taxi. I love it. I'm just going to say it right now. I love it. And for those of you parents who have children almost 16 and you're kind of concerned about those days, listen, just look forward to it. It's awesome. Like, it's really awesome. I mean, like, hey, son, can you run the kids here? Wait, hey, son, let me rephrase that. Run the kids here. It's just cool. Anyway. They got back, and they're they walking across the lawn. And, uh, and one of them, I won't say the name, but one of them was mimicking another one. And so they got out of the car, and the one said, hey, Dad. And then the mimic said, hey, Dad. And the one kind of turned around and looked back, and the mimic turned around and looked back. And, and then the one said, oh, stop doing that. The mimic went, oh, stop doing that. And the one was like, come on. And the mimic was like, come on. And it just reminded me of my times when I was a kid. And my sisters would do that because they knew it just, it irritated me. Usually it would stop when you would say something like, I'm an idiot, you know. And then my sisters would re- return it back. They'd go, yeah, you are. Thanks for admitting it. And they'd just walk away. Man, I don't remember anybody, other than playing like Simon says, I don't remember anybody that enjoys being imitated. I don't know many people that like that. But here's a super cool thought. God does. God actually loves for his children to imitate him. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter five and verse number one is God's invitation. It's God's invitation to imitate the father. That's what Ephesians chapter five, verse number one is. When it says, be therefore followers of God as dear children, it's not talking about just following in a line. The word follower here, it literally means imitator or mimic. Be, Be an imitator of God, just like a child would imitate their father, be an imitator, a mimic of God, just like a child would walk in dad's steps, just like a child would. You remember when you were a kid, I know for me, when I was a kid, I would walk around and, and uh, man, if dad would say something, I'd try to say it just like him. Dad had a certain way he combed his hair. And I would, when I was a little kid, I remember trying to comb my hair just like dad. My dad had a real good beard all growing up. And I remember I used, to, I used to get mom to buy the fake beards and I'd put it on and I'd wear a uh, you know, dress, dress up to be like dad. And we'd go to church and we'd have, I remember doing old Western Sundays in Greeley and we'd do those Sundays. And I'd always wanna match dad. Why? Man, I just wanna be like him. I wanna do everything he does. Ephesians chapter five, verse number one is be an imitator of God to walk just as God walks, to live just as God would live. And so in this passage, we find an invitation to imitate the Father. And in this specific passage, we're going to see this morning three specific ways that we are invited to imitate the Father. The first way that we should imitate or walk as the Father is found in verse number two. When Jay, when uh, Paul writes this, be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Imitate, live, live out His love, as Christ also hath loved us and given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now, we talked about this last week, and this admonition connects the previous passage to the passage in front of us. There is a challenge here, like we saw last week, that you cannot forgive unless your focus is on the forgiveness of God. But now this statement is kind of a tie-in statement that, that Paul is giving. He is saying, now, be a follower of God, imitate his forgiveness, but here's some other ways that you should imitate God. Number one, walk in love or live in or with love, but not just any kind of love. Imitate his love. Imitate the love that God has. Well, what is the love that God has? What does that love look like? I notice a few thoughts specifically from these verses. His love is a selfless love. His love is a selfless love. We find there as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us an offering. He was selfless in his love and the fact that his love for us and for others was placed before his needs. The love that God has for you was not focused upon himself. It was selfless. This is placing the needs of others before our needs, giving others priority in our life, making intentional decisions that defer to those around us. And think about how this type of a love, think about how a selfless love could literally affect your life. You and I, each and every day, we are with people. Even if you're not a people person, you will be around people. And when we walk or travel through our days with a selfless love, what we are going to do is we are consistently thinking about how can my life bless the lives of those around me. We are thinking about preferring others before ourselves, a selfless love. What else, what other types of love did Christ have? Well, he had a sacrificial love. Now, this could probably go hand in hand with a selfless love and be, a, be perhaps synonymous to it. But I think today that a sacrificial love, it doesn't just say, or excuse me, a sacrificial love says, I am not only going to put you first, but I'm actually going to place myself in harm's way for you. I'm going to take the hit for you. I'm going to allow myself to suffer for you. When I'm an innocent. You see, Jesus didn't just have a selfless love when he laid his life down for us, but his love was also sacrificial that he laid his life down in our place. He died our death. He died for our sin. He placed himself on that cross for us. A sacrificial love says, I will sacrifice my wants and my plans for you, I believe a sacrificial love also says, I will sacrifice my good for your good. His love was a sacrificial love. What other type of love do we find? His love is for everyone. Jesus Christ loved all humanity, loves all humanity. This is a principle all throughout scripture, probably one of the most well-known verses, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That word world there is not talking about uh, the, the created world that we see. It's talking about the world of humanity. God so loved the entire world. You know, the love of God is not selective like our love is. And while we can't love everyone perfectly as Jesus does, we can offer a love to everyone that says, I'm going to be a loving person. Someone who demonstrates through words and actions a Christ-like love to every single person they come in contact with. This is living with a non-judgmental spirit. This is living and choosing kindness toward every single person. This phrasing that you would find in uh, in verse number two about being about the, the love that Christ loved us would connect with the idea of being tender-hearted, of having a compassionate heart toward anybody in our life. This is to love anybody that comes into our life regardless of who they are, where they've been, what they've done. It's just loving like him. His love is for everyone. His love is forgiving. We looked at this last week that we can forgive because he forgave, but Christ did not just say, I love you. He offered forgiveness to prove it. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8, Peter wrote this: Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, love, covereth a multitude, or covers a multitude of sins. You know what a forgiving love does? A forgiving love says, "Even though you didn't ask for it, I choose to forgive you and love you as Christ loves me." Because we spent so much time on this last week, we won't dwell on it right now. But it's will—it's really saying, "I am." you and forgive in spite of you because my love is not based upon me or you my love is based upon him. What else is his love? Well his love is a perfect love. His love's perfect. it's a <coughs> excuse me the perfect example of loving God and loving people. I mean the love talking about the love that Jesus Christ had, Jesus loved God the Father and He loved people. So what are we instructed to do in this passage? What what are we to imitate the Father in? Well, first, we're to imitate him in love. We are to imitate the love of God toward others. A few years ago, our challenge, our theme for the year was the word consumed. And it came out of Mark chapter number 12 verse 30 and 31 where it says this thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind with all thy strength this is the first commandment the second is like unto it namely this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself there is none other commandment greater than these when we walk in love when we imitate his love we're going to go through our days and travel through our decisions with a mindset that says how can I show my love to God, and how can I show my love to people? Be an imitator of his love. Walk in love. Loving the Father like Jesus loved the Father, and loving people like Christ loves people. It's a selfless love, a sacrificial love, a love offered to anybody and everybody. It's a love that is completely forgiving, and it is a love that is based upon him as perfection. God says through Paul, I invite you, all of you, everybody, if you believe in me, I invite you to follow me, to imitate me, just like a child would their own father. All right, God, what does it look like? Imitate my love, walk in love, but then also walk as light. Walk as light. Notice verse 2, all the way down through verse number 14. We're going to read these verses. Verse 2 all the way down through verse, or verse 3, excuse me, all the way down through verse number 14, it says this. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let... No man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye, you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them for because it is even a shame it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret but all things that are reproved they are made manifest or made known or revealed by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light wherefore because of this he God he saith awake thou that sleepest And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Throughout these verses, the reader is called to walk as light. Specifically, verse number 8, when it says this, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The idea here is since God is light, Everything righteous, everything correct, everything that is wholesome, and we are imitating our Father, then we should desire to walk as light, to have nothing to do with darkness of the sin and culture around us. Paul does not say that we are in the darkness now, Paul says, you were in the darkness. But now, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then that darkness... Is past. Now you can walk in the light. What is the darkness of this culture? Well, we discover a number of things that are listed. We're not gonna necessarily dive into every one of them today. But the darkness of this culture listed there, fornication. What is that? That's any any sexual activity outside of the bond of marriage. And do we not see a culture that is just entrenched in that mindset uncleanness what is uncleanness uncleanness in this specific in this specific wording in the greek means to have physical and moral impurities that contaminate my life now what is paul doing he's writing to christians and he's saying to them hey, listen, the culture around you, and we talked about this a number of weeks ago, the culture around you is a corrupt culture and and it is a a world that is lost and without God and without hope, finding peace and, and fulfillment in all these other areas of life. Hey, if you are a child of God, these things shouldn't be named among you. Why? Because you know the truth. You know the big picture. Uncleanness, this moral impurity that is attacking the world. It shouldn't be named in the life of a believer. Foolish talking. This is just unwise conversation and pointless conversation that has sinful thoughts at the root. Jesting is harsh, harsh sarcasm and joking. That cutting down, that belittling. And of course, Paul, he's not giving an extensive list that only these things. He's, he's just giving an example. He's saying these things, they are not becoming, they are not convenient or befitting of of someone who is a child of God. But instead, verse verse number four, he says, but rather giving of thanks. Hey, you know what a child of God is doing? Man, a child of God, instead of using their words, to to cut down people and instead of using their life for moral impurities, uh, a child of God's life is reflective of the spirit of thanksgiving. Rather giving of thanks. Why? Man, because I was blind, but now I see. Why giving thanks? Because I was on my way to hell, but now I'm forgiven. Why the giving of thanks? Because I I was lost. But because of Jesus Christ, now I'm found. Remember that you remembering that you were saved from the punishment of sin and hell. And so the challenge is don't be partakers. Don't be involved in the words of culture or the works of darkness. You used to be darkness, but now you're saved. Now you're a child of the light. Therefore, you should desire to walk in the light or to walk as light, to use your life as a, a reflection of the truth and the righteousness and the holiness that is found in God. Jesus said it this way, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth in me should not abide, the word abide, to dwell, be comfortable in darkness. When Jesus was here on this earth, the perfection of his character and conduct, it exposed the sinfulness of those around him. And this is one reason why the religious leaders hated Jesus so much and sought to destroy him. Jesus said this, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. You see, the righteous in Jesus' day, man, they were they were declaring their righteousness based upon the wrong measuring stick. And sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we think we're super righteous because of a certain thing that we may do or may not do. But here's what Jesus is saying. Number one, walk in love, walk loving like him. But number two, walk as the light. Don't just say things and and have a life that says, well, I'm better than those around me. Don't be one that looks down on other people. No, 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 no. Be one that says, since I have Jesus Christ in every way I can possible, I just wanna reflect Jesus Christ. I just wanna reflect God. And Paul here in these, verses, he challenges us to live by walking in the light. Paul wrote it this way to the believers in Rome. In verse number 12 of Ephesians, he says, it's a shame to even speak of the things that are done in darkness. And in Romans, he said, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Paul said, hey, as a believer, as a child of God, you should not only not have these things in your life, but you should desire not to even speak about it. He's not talking about having a conversation with your kids about the sin of the world, or, or man, I can't believe I saw that on the news. He's not talking about this. He's talking about to, to uh, uplift it in a positive light. There's some Christians, here's what they do with their background. Well... <clears throat> You know, I used to be the, uh, man, I was the worst of the worst. Man, I remember, I remember there was this one time we used to, and they would describe a life away from God. And not in a way of trying to share it to be a, a testimony, but really kind of in a way of uplifting that life. And I know believers that have even gone to the point of saying, you know, but I gave all of that up for Jesus. I, you know, I'm, I really sacrificed for Christ. Man, they're just kind of uplifting maybe a life of darkness. And here's what Paul is saying, hey, especially here in Romans, like, be wise about the things that are good and be simple. Don't give a bunch of thought concerning evil. This is the the separation that should be in a Christian's life. And then Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Here's the thought. When you think of light, you think of something that reveals or exposes darkness. How many of you, you, you can truly sleep anywhere. You say, I could, I could sleep anywhere. It doesn't have to be dark. I could sleep literally anywhere. I mean, those of you that can do that, like that's an awesome thing. I'm one of those people. I could probably fall asleep anywhere, except for airplanes. I can't sleep on airplanes very well. I try. But in our room, in our room at our house, we have um, a door that goes to a, a back little patio that is, uh, of course, a, a glass door. And then we have this window right above our bed that we only have, we have white, um, Curtains, thank you, couldn't think of it. We have white curtains over the window, and then we have really dark gray ones over the, uh, the door. The reason we have dark gray ones over the door is because uh, in the mornings, it can be incredibly bright in our room. And there were times during the summer, that first summer we lived there, that I remember, you know, the sun's coming up about uh, five in the morning, 5.15, 5.30, and I'm like, ding! Why is it so bright in here? You know? And so after a few months, I'm like, honey, can we please get some really dark curtains for right there? Why? Because the brightness of a day, what's it do? It wakes you up. We think of the brightness of light, it, it wakes you up. Here's what Paul writes then in verse number 14. Since you're in the light, allow God's light to wake you up and recognize that now your life, Your life could be light into other people's lives. Verse 13, light manifests darkness. Man, what a great thought for the Christian that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your light can make known the darkness of this culture. Now, there's kind of two two discussions that we could have on that. The one says, well, if I'm supposed to be light in our, in our culture and expose culture, then it is my job to call everybody out in my life. You know, it's my job to play God in people's lives. And I'm going to be the one that like goes into work. And I'm like, man, you guys are a bunch of reprobates. You're all heathens here. I can't believe that you would. And we, we can have that camp that my life exposes darkness that way. But I don't really believe that that's what Paul is referring to. I think that Paul is simply referring to this. Listen, Paul is referring, hey, let your life just show his life and God through his life will manifest the darkness around you. You know, what people begin to see in you. People begin to say, man, there's something different about you. You speak to me about God. It's like you actually know him. It's like you actually love him. And because of Your heart and your walk with God, and because of the way that you carry yourself and the words that come out of your mouth, man, his name is lifted up, and people begin to look in their own lives and say, I need what you have. I need what you believe. When you think about your life and my life, salvation is the beginning of a new day. It's that light coming up, and we ought to live as those who belong to the light, not to darkness. And by our character and conduct, we can bring God's light into a dark world. As God's light, we help other people find their way to Christ. As we imitate the light and the righteousness and holiness of God, we begin to affect and impact the lives of those around us. Here's how Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Paul writes to the believers at Ephesus, hey, I wanna give you an invitation. I wanna invite you to imitate, to follow Christ. Well, how do I imitate him? You walk in love, walk as light. And then thirdly today, you walk circumspectly. Now we don't use that word circumspectly very much, but I want you, if you would, to go to verse 15, down through verse number 17. We read these words. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will Of the Lord is that word walk. That word uh, uh, circumspectly, or to walk circumspectly, it just simply means this: see that you live carefully with exactness. Well, what does that mean? It means I'm taking clear steps. I'm going a clear direction. I'm paying attention, giving attention to the decisions that I make. Not as a foolish person who just kind of goes through life and lets it happen. No, 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 no. But as a wise person, redeeming the time or buying time back, stewarding my days. Well, why should I do that? Because evil and darkness, they're already here. In verse 15 or verse 17, Paul gives the challenge, don't be unwise, but you know, you know what God's will is. Know what the will of the Lord is and and pursue that. The word circumspect, it comes from a Latin, two Latin words that mean to be looking around. The Greek word carries the idea of precision and accuracy. It means literally I'm taking a directed, guided step. Think about that in your life. What does that mean? What does it mean to walk circumspectly through my days? It means that there are no unimportant decisions. I'm going to say that again. To walk circumspectly, there are no unimportant decisions. How I manage my time and my finances. How I I lift up and encourage my family. The conversations that I have. And boy, how every one of us need to have a better approach to say, you know what? There are give careful attention to the steps that I take. Every believer is challenged to make wise decisions and to seek the will of God. It's like Paul is saying, don't walk in your sleep, verse 14. Instead, wake up, verse 15. Open your eyes. Make most of the day. I think this is extremely sad that we can see many Christians, just kind of many professing believers that they just kind of drift through life as sleepwalkers. You ever had somebody sleepwalk? People that sleepwalk, I think, I, I think I've told the story before, but when I was a youth pastor in Tacoma in Lakewood, we did a boys uh, overnighter and they, we all stayed and play, they played video games and all the teen guys, I mean, stayed up super late playing games and hanging out and we did it. Uh, that particular time, we did it at our house, and at our house, we had this back room. It was a garage that was converted into just a big, this big room. And there were some couple of boys that were sitting there playing video games, and there was this one young guy, and he, he uh, all of a sudden, we heard him mumbling, and he was sleep talking, and the guys they began to kind of laugh and joke with him, you know, in his sleep, and then. After a minute, I I felt, I was sitting on a couch and there was back behind us, there was a, a bed back there and this young man had kind of fallen asleep. Like, you know, teenagers can fall asleep literally anywhere. He had just fallen asleep, like on the edge of the bed and was just kind of there. And all of a sudden I felt someone hovering right above me. I'm just sitting on this couch and I look up and it's him. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, hey, hey, Joe. I said, said his name and he didn't respond. And the two boys that were playing the video games, sitting right there watching the TV, they were like, he's, he's sleepwalking. I was like, no, he's not. They're like, yes, he is. And sure enough, we look, we're, hey, hey, are you? And he was sleepwalking. And so being the compassionate youth pastor I am or was, I got up and I, I was like, come on, man. I just set him back down on the bed. I thought, all right, he'll be fine. A few minutes later, he gets up and he walks past the couch, so there's a TV and a couch. the door to go into the rest of the house is right here. There's just a wall over here. So TV, couch, wall. I'm not exaggerating. He walks and he turns. Boom, he walks right into the wall. And being these other teenage guys, where I'm just like, "This is awesome. Like, what do we do, you know? And so I, I said, hey, you know, Joe, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, my mom's here. I got to go. Boom. He walked into the wall again. And I was like, you got to go. Your mom's here. He said, yeah. I said, well, that's not the door. And he's like, yes, it is. Boom. Did it again. I'm like, man, I feel bad for this. Of course, the other teenage guys are just dying laughing. So I got up. I turned him around, and I walked him back to that bed that was back there. And I said, okay, now we're outside. Why don't you just lay down here on the porch and wait for mom to get here? And he said, okay. And he laid down on that bed and he was out. It was like four in the morning. And he woke up at about seven, literally remembered nothing. You ever known somebody like that sleepwalk? What are they doing? They're not paying attention to where they're going, they're not giving attention to the steps they're taking. They're not, man, you can injure yourself. I've known people that have told stories of friends that have literally walked out of houses sleepwalking. You know what a lot of Christians are doing in life? They're just sleepwalking. They're not stewarding their time. They're not going through their life making important decisions, understanding there are no unimportant decisions. No, they're just kind of going through life, just, you know, ho-hum, whatever comes, whatever will be, will be, and have that old mindset. Man, for the Christian, it is, hey, walk through life and pay attention to your steps. And Paul gives a number of reasons of why we should do it. Why? It's the wise thing. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Hey, it is a wise thing for a Christian to pay attention to the decisions that they make. Why else should we walk through life circumspectly? Because life is short. Verse number 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Why? Redeeming the time. Hey, your life, James wrote it this way, is but a vapor. It appears for a moment and then vanishes away. And the impact that you make on people is really the only thing that lasts. How you steward your life for God and how you steward your relationships because of God. So many Christians are just letting life pass them by. And how many people in their latter days have I sat down with and they begin to recount their life and they say, Pastor, I just wish I would have done more for God. I remember as dad was slowly going, uh, even even in, in the last 10 years with his cancer and all of that stuff, times when dad would be, we thought on his deathbed, and I remember in 2016, right after they moved here, and my dad saying to me, I just wish I would have done more for God. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you have done so much. You know what? At the end of your life, you realize life is short. It would be healthy for some of us to realize it now. We, none of us are guaranteed this week. James or, uh, uh, Paul says, walk circumspectly because it's the wise thing, because life is short. And then thirdly, because the days are evil. Hey, anybody can go through life and just blend in. Anybody can go through life and just be darkness. But you're a child of God. Walk circumspectly, be light, love on purpose. All of these thoughts are just the idea to live on purpose. Have purpose with your life. I love how one man said it. He said it this way. When the pilot does not know what airport he's heading for, no wind is the right wind. If you don't know what you're aiming at, you're never gonna hit it. For the Christian, our aim is to imitate the Father. He's he's where I'm trying, who I'm trying to be, what I'm trying to be like. And the invitation from God is hey, you imitating me and walking like me and loving like me and speaking like me and making decisions like me, it doesn't irritate me. God isn't gonna go, I'm an idiot, you know, because he's trying to get you to say that. God doesn't get upset. He says, I invite you to mimic me, everything about me. And so I wanna ask you a question today as we wrap up. How are you doing as an imitator of your father? Is your life. The love that you have toward God and the love that you have toward other people, is it imitating his love? The light that he is, the holiness that he represents, the fact that he is completely light and in him is perfection, is the life that you're living, is it walking in the light? Is it showing his light, being light to a lost world around you? And thirdly, are you paying attention to the direction of your life? His steps, the steps that God take, that God took, that Jesus Christ took, were very thought out. Every decision was on purpose. In your life, have you been making decisions thinking, well, it just doesn't matter? Maybe the challenge to us today would be God, help me to walk circumspectly help me to realize time is short and so my decisions they matter and god help me to be an imitator of you we are invited to imitate him and he doesn't get annoyed at it it doesn't take long for a person in our culture to discover that our world is in distress you have coworkers and friends and loved ones and neighbors people that you know that they're lost without Jesus. And every time you turn on the news, we can realize that this culture is just hurting. You know what this world needs? It needs some Christians to be just that. Christian, little Christ. And so today, would you make the decision that I'm going to be a imitator of the Father? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.